I want to begin tonight by saying I think we've all read books that have particularly blessed us. If I would take a survey here, we'd have a whole range of titles, no doubt. I've had several too, but one that has truly blessed me is a book written by David Jeremiah. You may have heard of him. Um, the book is entitled A Bend in the Road. A Bend in the Road, or the subtitle is Experiencing God When Your World Caves In. And that can happen. And that did happen, maybe you know, for David Jeremiah. About 30 years ago now, kind of in the prime of ministry, thriving church, California, he got a diagnosis of cancer. Not a good report. He went to Mayo. He had surgery, followed up by chemo treatments and then he was doing well, and he was rejoicing in that, God's mercies to him. But about 10 years later, about 20 years ago now, that cancer came back with a vengeance. Once again, a bleak report, but to Mayo he went. Had another surgery, a stem cell transplant this time. And again, God was merciful. And he wrote this book, A Bend in the Road. His final chapter was entitled, Resuming the Journey, Resuming the Journey, not knowing how long that journey might last. But maybe you know that cancer, all these years later now, is yet in remission. His ministry is strong. He is doing so well. Psalm 16 in that book was one of David Jeremiah's favorite, favorite Psalms. It was his testimony, the words of Psalm 16. And this was written not, of course, by David Jeremiah, but it was written by another David, one who also had to deal with several bends in his road. Some very discouraging happenings, but he never lost focus of God's blessings to him, God's goodness to him in life. Listen to the words of David from Psalm 16. Keep me safe, O God. In you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who in will increase, who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood. Or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion, my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore... My heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. In this psalm, dear friends, I see David, if you have that outline before you tonight, remembering God's mercies in the past. 
reviewing God's blessings to him in the present and rejoicing in those blessings yet to come or the glory of the future. Behind many and most of the Psalms, I indicated that this morning, stands some happenings, some Old Testament stories. Sometimes the event that led to this psalm is noted underneath the title of the psalm. This one, it is not. And scholars are not fully agreed as to what gave rise to Psalm 16. But most of them conclude that it perhaps came in somewhat of an interlude in his flight from Saul, a time when he got a reprieve and could rest for a time. And most think the reference here is 1 Samuel chapter 26. You can read that story later. But if you read, you're going to find out that David was being hotly pursued by Saul and some of his best fighters. Chapter 24, two chapters before. And in Gedi, in the cave, David could have eliminated this tormentor this enemy. But he refused. Maybe you know. He said, he is the Lord's anointed. And even though advised to do, he could not eliminate King Saul. Two chapters later, they're in the wilderness of Ziph. And David has another opportunity. But once again, he spares the king's life. He takes his spear, if you read the story, he goes to some distance while Saul is sleeping. He does this. And once he's moved to a safe distance, then he speaks to the king. Chapter 26, verse 18. Why is my Lord pursuing his servant? What have I done? What wrong am I guilty with that you're seeking to eliminate me? And Saul, seeing, seeing his sword, is moved, deeply moved. He says in verse 21, I have sinned because you considered my life precious today. In other words, because you spared my life when you had opportunity to end it. I will not try to harm you again. And this chapter then closes with the king saying to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You will do great things and surely triumph. And then come the words. So David went on his way. And Saul returned home. And that kind of ends the crisis in David's life for the present. Saul does not pursue David anymore. Saul escaped because of the goodness of David. And David knows not only has Saul escaped, but he too has escaped and been protected by God again and again. In Psalm 16, may I say, David takes some moments to reflect on his life, on God's goodness, on his blessings. God surely has been merciful to him. He has kept David safe. He says that in the opening verse. He says, 
keep me safe. In you I take, I have taken refuge. No doubt reflecting back to the time earlier in life when he was a shepherd. Wild animals attacked the sheep not only, but perhaps himself as well. God was merciful. His life was spared. I don't think David ever forgot the experience in the valley of Elah. You know that Philistine giant, Goliath, approaching him with great armor, with, with swords, David but a sling. God was merciful. God spared David's life. And again and again in this Judean wilderness, as the king and his best fighting men pursued him, David poured out his heart to God and, and he was spared. God had kept him safe, verse 2. He says he had blessed him with friends, the saints who are in the land, verse 3. God had kept him from idols. So many turn to idols and idol worship, but God had spared him of that. David looks back on his life and he's filled with gratitude for God's mercies. And I want to say, I hope we are too. As we think back and we reflect on our past years, chances are, were it not for the grace, the amazing grace and mercy of God, many of us would not be here tonight. Because I suspect we've had our close calls also, as David has. In the words from Psalm 116, no doubt maybe in our experience there was a time when the cords of death were tangled around us, as it were, and taking hold of us. It seemed that the end was near, but somehow, somehow, we were rescued, we escaped, we survived. And I suspect for some, we've been tempted too by idols to turn away from God. Maybe in our experience, there was a lull in our spiritual life. When our love for God and our love for the church was at a very low ebb, maybe, maybe we were no longer found in the fellowship of God's people. We departed. And then God, in His own way, He brought us back once again. If that is something of your story, never stop thanking God for His mercies to you. Our lives from earliest days to the present, I know they're filled with God's mercies. Every one of us can sing that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. All that I have needed, oh God, when I reflect, all that I have needed, your hand has provided. Remembering God's goodness, His mercy to you. David had his story. David the writer David Jeremiah had his story. You have your story. I have my story. Just one little glimpse for me all my life of 76 years. I remember a day early in our marriage. First child having been born. 
was pastoring in Plainwell. We came to Byron Center. We were going to go visit my parents who lived in outside of Zealand, a farming community there. I didn't realize the storm, the blizzard in winter, down 100th Street for about 15 miles, absolute whiteout conditions. I'm still in my dreams. I'm back in the car. I could not see the road. There was no markers on the road. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't dare to stop lest something would strike me from behind. The ditches were deep. I don't know how I made that. But we ended up, by God's grace, at a father's farm, and I slid off the driveway um, going into that place. God was so merciful. So easily my life, my family, could have been wiped out on that occasion. Amazing. God is so good. He is so good. Past mercies. Reflect on them. And then present blessings. Verses 5 and 6. Lord, you have assigned me my portion, my cup. You've made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Note it's David. David who is saying that. One who just recently had spent so much time in these Judean hills. Hiding from King Saul. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a delightful inheritance. Bless you, David. Bless you. Let me say that we live in a day and in a culture, and sadly, where people, Christians included, are surrounded by plenty, more than plenty, abundance. And yet, so many people complain, and they fret, and they brood, and they have their pity parties. Nothing ever seems to go my way or our way. Others have it so much better than I do or we do. Like the psalm writer, Psalm 73, he looked at others. He compared his life and he became despondent. Others had so much that he didn't have. Even the wicked seemed to be prospering in, in his life. There were so many sad happenings, so much suffering. He became resentful. Made no sense to him. But then he comes to that point where he says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant of God. I was like a brute beast before you. I wonder sometimes if God's people may be like brute beast. I look around tonight. What blessings, what blessings. Blessings of health for most of us. Blessings of family. Blessings of a goodly measure of freedoms. Wonderful friends. Good jobs. For many and most, a Christian heritage. More of the things of this world are ours than we deserve or frankly have need of. 
most importantly, there's the blessing of faith, of faith. The assurance we're sitting here tonight that in Christ our each and every sin is forgiven. And we have life eternal that will never end. Indeed, the boundary lines for us have fallen in pleasant places. Oh, we enjoy such a delightful inheritance. David Jeremiah in his book, Bend in the Road, he mentions how in modern psychiatry today, there's the tendency to dredge up every negative event and memory from the past. And this to explain or to justify why you may have a rather negative outlook, kind of a bitter disposition, to live with resentment rather than gratitude. And David Jeremiah makes a suggestion, a counter-suggestion. Rather than taking inventory of all the negatives, he suggests we begin to add up and name all the positives in our life. Find the good things that have happened, counting our blessings and naming them one by one, thanking God for them, And if you have a God like David who counsels you, who's always with you, who's at your right hand, a God who loves you in spite of the person you are in the many ways in which you've offended him, yet tonight he deeply loves you, then you're blessed, blessed indeed. Oh, my friends, let's read Psalm 16 often. The psalm David wrote when there was a break in his almost continual trial. And remember with him the mercies of God in our past. His blessings to us on this night. And then, and then, what lies ahead for us in Christ the glories of the future. David's heart in Psalm 16 rejoices. His heart is glad for many reasons, but especially when he looks ahead and he understands that he will not be left in the grave when he dies because the Holy One in whom he trusts will not remain in the grave. There would be life beyond death. Life that would never end. And oh my, oh my, as he hints, what a life that will be. Filled with joy in the presence of the Lord with eternal pleasures. Verse 11. What a contrast from the unbeliever or the wicked. As David says in other Psalms, for them there is no such life. There's no such hope. There's no such future, no prospect. In words from Psalm 73, the day will come when they will be cut off. They will perish. They will be destroyed. They will be cast down to ruin. For those outside of Christ, whatever they have to enjoy, they had better enjoy now. 
because the day will come when they'll have nothing ever to enjoy again. Nothing, nothing. For the Christian, the one saved by the mercy of God, through faith in Jesus, a fullness of joy, eternal pleasures, endless life, beyond death. No wonder the Apostle Paul could say in Philippians 1 verse 21, for me to live is Christ, and to die, you know the word, it'll be gain. Or as he says in 2 Corinthians 5, that there were those times when he preferred to be away from the body, present with his Lord. He knew the glory that was to be, that the best, the best was always in front of him, yet to come. I heard our president, Joe Biden, speak this week. And he was trying to encourage people to say, the best days for America are yet to be. They're in her future. Maybe. Maybe not. For the Christian, yes, yes. I just want to close this message tonight with an incident that has so blessed my heart. And maybe you've heard this story. It's a true story. About a saint who was dying of a disease. And she knew her death was near. And she had a request of the pastor. When she died, and her body was put in a coffin, she wanted a fork put in her right hand in the coffin. A fork. When asked, why this request? Why that fork? Maybe you know the story. She says, one of my favorite events throughout life has been going to church potlucks. We've had many. I don't think I've ever missed one. And then in dining, when the host would appear, they would take the dish and they would say, let's save your fork. Save your fork. There's more to come. Something even better than what you've already had. For that reason, she made that request. Because it was her conviction that as a Christian, as a Christian, her very best days, her very best years were yet before her always. So keep that fork in your right hand. Whatever in the past, the future will be absolutely glorious. Eternal pleasures at God's right hand. Oh, my friend, I hope God gives us grace to face Whatever hardships and trials we must endure in this life, it might be failing health, might be family trauma, could be business crisis, whatever the trials may be. And not knowing always where that road is going to end, whether it'll be a bend or whether it'll be the end, may we live firmly believing, firmly believing and remembering that for us in Jesus, the best, the very best, is yet before us. It is yet to come. Amen?
Join me in prayer. Lord, we give you thanks tonight, deep thanks, for the mercies that you've shown us in the past, for your blessings to us at present, and for the glories that await us in the future. I pray that the ancient testimony of one who knew so much adversity may become our testimony tonight, the words of Psalm 16. Amen.